Uh, we've, been, we've been in First John, uh, and we've been kind of moving through, probably slower than most of you would like, but we're doing our best. And um, one of the things that's uh, coming up today is uh, one of those things that's actually really close to all of our hearts, something that scares us. Um, when I, uh, well, I mean, obviously I've never had any romantic entanglements other than Aaron. Um, you know, love at first sight, never l- l- was attracted to him before her or after. Um, but you can imagine uh, if someone, someone like me, but, but not as, you know, destined for one woman. You can imagine that person uh, going through, you know, dating, get close to somebody. You, uh, you start to have love. Then something goes wrong. Then it starts to get bad. And then you got to break up. That's no fun. I wouldn't know, but uh, for those of you who have experienced it, it's, it sounds like no fun. And the thing is, what's crazy is now uh, in, the cont- in the society that we live in, we're in a place where um, we kind of expect breakups to be like just part and parcel of every part of our lives. Not just um, with, with boyfriends and girlfriends, but also um, with uh, marriages. We expect uh, divorces to be kind of a part of life um, in, our, in our contemporary culture. Um, and, and many uh, here have, have gone through that. And it's not just, uh, you know, those romantic things. It's also friendships. We expect friendships to get really close, and they become wonderful, and they're, and they're so fulfilling, and they're exciting, and then, and then people break apart, and they go away. In fact, in a lot of cases now, when we... Um, we kind of expect it to happen. We kind of know that this isn't for life, you know. This isn't a friendship that's going to last forever. And so we never really jump all the way in um, with our relationships. We always hold a little bit of ourselves back because we know that it's not going to last and, you know, we don't want to get hurt. Uh, it happens um, in institutions as well. Uh, companies uh, break up. You know, they, there's this moment, there's this sweet moment where everything's firing on all cylinders and, and, and everyone's going after the mission and the company is just firing, it's going gangbusters. And then uh, something happens and, and, and enmity uh, builds up and, and relationships are fractured and suddenly um, it falls apart. It happens in churches. It's happened to us before. I know because I've been here for a really long time. I remember a time when our church went through a breakup. And that's the question that's going to animate us today. Are we headed for a breakup? Is, 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 is there something that we can do? Is there some way that we can think and prepare so that we, we don't? Is, is a breakup coming our way? It could be um, as, 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 a, as a church, it could be as a family, it could be as um, friends, it could be any, in your business, it could be anywhere, but wherever you have relationships is a breakup headed your way. And why does it keep happening? Why is it that we're in a culture, in a place where this just doesn't seem to stop? Those are going to be the, the questions that are kind of animating us today. And, and as we move uh, through what John has to say, I think we're going to start to see the base, the, the, what's at the bottom of breakups. And the bad news is, is that John's not going to give us a solution, but we're going to sketch some out. And next week, 
We're going we're gonna, to uh, hit that. We're going to say, hey, here's what we're, we're going to do to avoid that. But first, we've got to understand it, and that's what John's going to help us do. Let's, um, let's read our text today. This is First uh, John 2, 9 to 11. Again, this is my translation, um, and there are some changes that I've made uh, to what you might be familiar with, and I'll explain those as we go through. But this is what John says. He says, the one who says, I'm in the light, while hating a Christian brother, that person's still in the dark. The one who loves his brother continues to live in the light and does not lure others away from it. But the one who hates a brother is in the dark and wanders about the darkness. Such a one does not know where to go because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I mean, you can see it. Um, it's just, there's, there's over dark, light. It's just all over. Light, dark. In fact, there's also hate and love. And, and, and these, these words keep generating, they keep popping up in this, in this section and really um, in some ways throughout First John. And we, we might have some uh, ideas about what light, dark, hate, love mean. We might think, we might think that, that the light, for example, if you're in the light, that means you're a Christian. If you're in the dark, that you're not a Christian. We might think that if you're um, in the light, you're uh, the person who's like, who's doing it right. And if you're in the dark, you're the person who's doing it wrong. We... Well, I, I want to I just get, uh, get that out of the way so we can get a sense of what it means to be um, in the light or in the dark. And so here's how John uses these terms. Uh, this is in the gospel. This is Jesus speaking. He says, this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, Jesus, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And you can get a sense there that, that what, um, what light is and what dark is, is it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's a, a way of living. It's, it's a practice. It's over and over. You're, you're living this way, right? If you practice evil, you don't like light because it exposes you. If you're a person who's, who's constantly living in that way and, and, you, and you just don't um, have time for uh, the way Jesus does things, then you're kind of in the darkness, right? But if, if, alternatively, you really are seeking after God, you're that kind of person, then, um, then you're, you're in the light. You're, you're following the light. This doesn't mean, of course, that you're perfect. Um, and John's already told us this in 1 John. Uh, you might remember, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Being in the light doesn't mean you've got a halo that follows you everywhere, and you're amazing, and you're perfect, and everyone loves you. Which is a good thing, because, I mean, if you're looking for the perfect people, um, gosh, we don't have them here. Uh, we're, we're fresh out. Okay, we got a couple. Mike Harrison, you're pretty close. Uh, I mean, right there. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, we actually have a lot of people here who are, who are kind of broken and kind of make mistakes and kind of um, have to work through those things. So it's not, it's not sinlessness. It's not, being in the light is not like just doing it perfectly. It's not Mike Harrisoning your life. But it's, it, it's, it's on those. It's on that track. It's, it's something else. Look at um, this, uh, this text here. Uh, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And this is the first thing in your note sheets, that really light and dark um, in, in John's literature, uh, it's, it's really ways of re- referring to, one, to your basic orientation toward or away from God's right ordering of the cosmos revealed fully in Christ. Jesus comes. He is the light of the world. He shows the way, and he's like, follow me. And the ones who are like, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow you. Those people are in the light. And the ones who are like, nah, I don't think I'm down with what you're doing. Those people are in the dark. 
But notice, notice that you could actually be a Christian who's not living in the light. You could be someone who at, at one point believes and starts to follow, and they're like, yeah, I don't know, I just need to veer off the way here a little bit. And, and that, you could, you, could, you could imagine that. In fact, we know when we look at um, our text, um, it, it, notice Christian brother is still in the dark, not hating a former Christian brother. But a current Christian brother, you're in the dark. You're somebody who, who you're, and really we could say Christian brother or sister. Um, but if you, you know, hate somebody in the church, it doesn't mean you're not part of the church. It just means that you're off the path. You're in the dark. And when we, when we look at this text, if there's one thing that we can say with certainty, when we read it, I'm, the, I'm in the light while, while hating a bro- Christian brother or sister still in the dark. The one who loves his brother continues to live in the light, does not lure others away. The one who hates a brother or sister is in the dark and wanders about the darkness. Such a one does not know where to go. Darkness has blinded his or her eyes. We can say, and this is the next thing, next thing in your note sheets, that the number one indicator that a Christian has abandoned God's way is that he or she hates another Christian. We use that word a lot, hate. I hate traffic. And if you live in Southern California, you also hate traffic. Um, I hate pop music. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm being turned a little bit. Uh, I, I, I used to hate Taylor Swift. Um, Whoa, 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 settle down before you jump all over me here, okay? I thought that she was just a one-trick pony, but but no, she's not. And she even has a song, Haters Gonna Hate, 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 it just goes on. My girls love it. They love that song. But the reason I'm mad at Taylor Swift, she took her her music off Spotify. So, like, I I couldn't, my, my girls would be like, let's listen to Taylor Swift. They know, like, two artists. One is Taylor Swift. I'm like, we can't, not on Spotify. So you know what I did? I went to the record store. I bought a vinyl record of Taylor Swift's 1989, and I put it on, and I made them listen to it. And they're mad because you can't switch tracks. They just want to keep repeating. I'm like, no, that's not how music works. I know you think that, but you're wrong. We were having a dance party. I I tore my shirt off um, because I was hot and sweaty. I have a lot of chest hair. And and so then they started to tear theirs. I was like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Wait. So Taylor Swift now back in the, uh, the, the positive box. But it brings up the question, though, you know, what is hate, right? Uh, I hate Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. I hate traffic. I love not traffic. I mean, we use these words so, so frequently. What is hate? And really, how does it, how does it come about in Scripture? Um, if, you're, if you're looking for uh, the text on hate, and you want to know what it is. You just turn to Psalm, Psalm 55. You can do this uh, at any time. You can read the whole thing. And you can see just a picture of what hate is and what it does to people. Um, listen to the beginning here. Attend to me and hear me. He's talking to God. This is a Psalm of David, um, probably written by David himself. I am restless in my complaint and moan, and moan noisily. I'm just, ah, because of the voice of the enemy. Because of the oppression of the wicked. For they bring down trouble on me. And in wrath, they hate me. Think about all those things there. Notice it's the voice of the enemy. If someone hates you, uh, what do they do? They talk bad about you, right? It's not the enemy's sword that's going after David. It's his words. 
because the enemy is, is speaking against him behind his back, undermining him, so that people stop trusting him, stop loving him. They bring down trouble. They're always looking for a way to, to see you hurt, to see you beat down. The people who hate you are the ones who come after you and want to see your, your life wrecked and taken off track. They're the people who live in wrath, anger. Hate is strongly associated with, with deep feelings of anger. What's interesting about Psalm 55, though, um, is that, so David, he, he lays it out, right? Well, uh, uh, the person who hates you is your enemy. And so for David, that's people like the Philistines, other tribes, enemies, outsiders, not Israel. The, the people of Israel are his friends or his family, but, but those who are outside, who are, who are away, who are, who are looking out for his destruction, those are enemies. Those are the ones who hate. Hatred is associated with outsiders, enemies. But then look at what happens uh, later on in the middle of the psalm. He says, for it's not an enemy who reproaches me. For if that was the case, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. It's not someone who, who thinks they're better than me and always has. Well, then I could hide. I could get away from him. But it was you. A man, my equal, my companion, my friend. We took sweet counsel together. We walked to the house of God in the crowd. We were so close. We worshipped together. We were family. And so he's even struggling with how to, to talk about hate. He's like, it's not the one who hates me, but, but, but it is. He's already said that it, that it is. He, he, it's almost like a clash of two ideas in his mind. I know that hate is really for enemies. And yet, I'm experiencing it from someone who's my close friend. How much does that sound like John's language? About a Christian brother. Brother or sister. Brother or sister. Uh, in your note sheets, the worst kind of hate is when someone who should be your family treats you like an enemy. When someone who should be family treats you like an enemy. You say you're in the light, but you hate your brother or your sister. Uh, when I was in Japan, uh, for those of you who know, I lived in Japan for a couple of years. And uh, probably the worst time in Japan was about October of the first year I was there. I got there in July, and things were awesome up until like September. And then... Um, in Southern California, we don't get it as bad, but where they are, they're like a little farther north, um, I guess latitude-wise. And so the days get really short really fast. And so that, you know, by the time you get off work, the sun's already down, and it's kind of depressing. That made things bad because I was in a foreign culture. What made things really bad was that Takanori turned on me. When I, uh, when I got to Japan, um, I didn't know any of the language, and uh, I didn't know any of the culture. And there was a guy who was at work. He was a little, maybe a couple years older than me. His name was Takanori Sensei. And, uh, and Takanori, he was a cool guy. His, his, his English was limited, but his guitar playing was good. And so we got, we got along, and he used to invite me over. We'd hang out. It was rad. And he was like my buddy. He, he was the one who made it possible. I had someone at work who was on my side who, who cared about me. We would play basketball together. He helped me improve uh, my Japanese during lunchtime. We'd have basketball games. Um, he was pretty tall for a Japanese guy, and so we were about uh, the same height, so he would be on their team, and I'd be on this team, and then the kids would basically let us play one-on-one, because -on -one. <laughs> otherwise it was just stuff, stuff, stuff. Um, 
one day in, um, in the middle of October, I got to work. And I'm talking to my son and saying, what's up? And he literally acted like he didn't even hear me. You know, have you ever experienced that where you're like, you're like, hey, man, how's it going? And they just walk right by and you're like, what? And then this continued. Um, he, suddenly he just, he just shut down. It was crazy. I was like, I was like, what's going on? Because I, I, here's the deal. I, I don't know. I never did find out. But at the time, um, I was very insensitive to Japanese culture. I was like a big orange bear barreling through uh, their culture and making terrible mistakes as, as I did so. And I had no idea. I had no idea that I was, I was wrecking things and doing things wrong uh, because I didn't understand. And I must have done something. I must have done something because literally it was like night and day. Uh, it was like over a weekend or something where something that I had done or, or, or said to somebody, whatever, had gotten back to him and he was like, that's it. No dice. And what was really crazy, what was really crazy was that um, the, the, the teacher room, in Japan you, uh, you have like a room full of teachers and then you go out to the students' classrooms, a little bit different than it is here, but uh, the teacher's room suddenly was, in, was divided, right? There was like, there was the people on Takanori's side, like Shin-sensei, who was like the head teacher, and then Kocho-sensei, the principal, they all hated me. And then like Sakamoto-sensei, who was my fellow English teacher, and then the tea lady, tea, God bless the tea lady, she always took my side. Um, even, she thought I was a little bit weird, because I wanted coffee instead of tea, but I was like, uh, caffeine, it's amazing. Eventually, by the time I was done there, she was making a pretty mean, mean uh, pot of uh, coffee. But, so she took my side. It was like, but it was like, this, it was like this, this division where there were people. Literally, I was the locus of, of people who acted like I wasn't there. He treated me with, with such coldness, such bitterness. And one of them was my only friend in the country. You want to know what hate is. Look at what happens in 1 John. Your brother, your brother, your sister, your brother. So close. And that person's gone. Now, that, I mean, yeah, that's terrible. But really, is that the worst thing in the world? I mean, God, why, you know, why, why would John make that, like, such an important issue? Why is it this very thing? And I think that um, it's, it's in this text. Look at, look at that. Notice that the one who loves a brother or sister continues to live in the light and does not lure others away from it. Does not lure others away from it. That word uh, there, scandal, and if you're familiar with like the New King James, um, you might remember it says something like, uh, uh, has an offense, uh, has no offense in them. Uh, some other translations say, uh, is not a stumbling block. Um, I want you to know that really what this, what this is talking about is it's talking about the effects of hate. Um, the effects of hate are, are, are always scandal on, and that is the word we get scandal from, um, although it's not really related now. Uh, but look at this. Look at, look at the way it gets used. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block, a scandal on to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter, uh, Jesus is like, hey guys, I've got to die and be raised again. Peter's like, no, terrible. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Why? Why is Jesus upset about that? Because if your mission is to go get tortured to death to pay for the sins of the world, and someone's like, hey, you should not do that. Instead, we should go, like, have some fun or something. That's a temptation. That's a lure. That is an enticement. 
what, what, what Peter's saying to Jesus in this context, he says, like, like, don't do that. That's too hard. That's too scary. Instead, let's go set up a kingdom somewhere. And Jesus is like, get away from me, you lure, you temptation, you enticement, you stumbling block. A little bit later in Matthew, we get this. Well, Jesus is teaching, woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Why is it such a problem that, that, that you cause people to stumble? What is it that you're doing? You're, you're taking them off the path. You're setting something in front of them that, they, that is wrong and it's evil, and you, but they love it and they, and, they, and, they, and they want it, and so they get off the path. They were in the light, but because of this thing that is so enticing and so much that you love, it gets them off the path. Do you notice that hate is like that? Hate, even though we can't stand admitting it, is something we love. We love to hate because it feels so good to stoke that righteous anger, that division. The craziest thing was how, how quickly, like overnight, and I had no idea what was going on, like uh, not only was Takanori mad at me, but half the teachers went with him. There were suddenly two camps in, 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 our, in our teacher's lounge. And, and, and I didn't understand what was going on, but I saw that it wasn't just him. It, was, it metastasized like a cancer, and it spread to others, and they also were on his side. They also were looking to hate me. He had lured them away from my side. He had lured them away with, with whatever he told them about me. And then there were others who he probably had told, and they were like, no, no, we love Tom. We're going to stay with Tom. And so they were, they were pulled over here. So they, you know, from my perspective, stayed in the light. To be honest, I must have done something terrible. I don't, to this day, I don't, I don't know what I did, but it must have been bad. And in that culture, I mean, let's be fair, it, for a bumbling idiot like me, it's like, you could do, but whatever. So they're, they're, they're sitting there. They're, so they're on my side. They're in the light. <laughs> the others are, are, are consumed by hate and the darkness. And, and division happens. And that's, that's the thing that drives God nuts about hate. Is that it always leads to breakup. Hate always ends up in breakups. So next thing in your note sheets. When we say breakup, we can, we can talk about division. We can talk about... Um, you know, separation, whatever it is, but it always goes there. And why does this hurt God's heart so much? Because the Lord is one, and yet in his being, he is Father, Son, and Spirit. That in God's very being, he takes difference and variety and personhood and takes it and brings it together into oneness. What does God love about the church? We're these different, crazy people with our weird ideas and our different backgrounds and our strange thoughts. And God takes us, and in his spirit, through the blood of his son, he makes us one. He makes these crazy people here, all of us, into one body, united, just as he is united to himself in himself. Hate tears that apart. Good thing that we're all good people here and that we don't have any hate in our congregation. I mean, I, it's, it's really is good to wake up in the morning and be like, you know what, I'm an awesome guy. And uh, I, I know that, they, look, I probably dislike folks, but I certainly don't have any hate in my heart. That would be, that would be impossible. That's crazy. 
little Tommy hating? Uh, I have a little uh, inventory. We're going to take a little quiz together. Uh, I was going to make you raise your hands, but Doug was like, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) Good call, Doug. Music room looks great, buddy. Here's a, here's a couple of true false things. All right. So no, no, don't, don't do it yet. Wait, okay. Everyone has to, everyone has to go with me. You've got to think of a person in your life, just one person or a group of people or maybe multiple people. It depends on how much of a hater you are. And, uh, and think about, think about this person, someone that bothers you, someone that you kind of don't like, a group of people that you're not into. All right. And now let's, let's think about, you can't think of this person without being angry. True false. Your day is going awesome. My day was going awesome. I had a great English lesson. My kids were really speaking a lot of English, and I thought of Takanori. I was like, suddenly the day is ruined. All right, number two. You always think the worst of this person's motives. Oh, Takanori, um, you came in to to work a little bit early today. Was that to make me look bad? No one does that, right? Only a crazy person like me. Okay, number three, uh, number three here. You are happy when bad things happen to this person. Oh, I'm so sorry you got in that car accident. Yes. Yeah, bummer. <laughs> oh, it's going to cost you a thousand yen to get that, f- I'm sorry, 10,000 yen to get that fixed? Bummer, dude. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and as Christians, we're like, that's probably God's judgment on you because of the terrible things that you've done. Oh, you haven't thought that. It's just me. Okay, I'm, I'm the jerk. I get it. That's fine. Great. Okay. Holy, not holy. All right, number four. You enjoy talking badly about them behind their back. I cannot believe what that punk did today. I'm sitting there trying to do my English lesson, and he walks by my classroom, but he's like skipping so you could hear it. And he distracted the students. That Takanori, man, what a punk that guy is. Number five, you have no sympathy when things go wrong for this person. What's cool is we're actually pretty smart people. We're savvy. So we act like we're, we're sad. Like, oh, talking right. I'm sorry, bro. Gosh, that was it's really unfortunate. You didn't get that job that you really wanted in Tokyo. And you're going to have to be here for a whole other year in this backwoods sticks environment. Gosh, I, I'm sorry, buddy. I know that it would have been great to go to Tokyo, but man, it's really rough for you. <laughs> Eat it. (laughs) Number six. You used to have great affection for him or her or them. Takanori, I miss it, man. I miss it when you used to invite me over and we'd play guitar. And we would talk about the American songs that, that you loved. I really, really miss it. I miss it when I was able to go to work and feel like there was somebody who understood who was on my side. I miss that a lot. In fact, um, October, November, that first year in Japan, the reason I, I came back to the States for Christmas was because I was so broken up about losing this guy and this friendship. We had been so close, and now we were so far off. Hater's going to hate, 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 hate. The crazy thing is that we don't want to believe that we're haters. We want to believe that we're good folks, that we are um, 
And what's really dangerous is that we can actually be haters like this, and we can actually be leading a church and, and, and a family and a relationship and a group of friends into tragic division without even knowing it. In fact, thinking the whole time that we're in the right. That's the thing that's scary. Because any time you hate somebody, deep down, you believe you're right. You believe they deserve it. And you might even be correct about that. They might deserve to have your anger or whatever. You might, you might be right. They may be in the wrong. I have no doubt in my mind that I screwed something up and that Takanori recognized that and that he was responding to that as his culture taught him to do. I believe that. But man, what did it do to the teachers of our school? What did it do to the environment, the community? It just fractured the whole thing. This happened to our church. Um, Probably the most formative thing in my spiritual development as a teenager was when this church split in the late 90s. I remember, um, I I used to work in Awana uh, as a high schooler, and I remember um, Craig Rutherford, the son of our former pastor, and I, we were buddies, and we would do this. And so um, we were walking uh, down the hall to come to our Awana room, and we walked into the room, and there were a couple of people there, people that I thought of as, um, like, uncles and aunts, people that I thought of as close to me as my blood family, people that I could trust. And it was the craziest thing. I still remember they were having this intense conversation, and they looked up and saw us. And they stopped talking immediately. And there was this awkward feeling in the room. And I was like, what's going on? I didn't know. Um, my, my dad didn't let me, really um, let me into the, uh, what was going on behind the scenes. But behind the scenes, there was a lot of, um, a lot of uh, strife um, in the, the leadership and, and the, the body of our church. And in fact, um, some of that developed into hate. It developed into people who um, formerly were brothers and sisters who now were enemies. In some ways, I don't know that um, this church or really any community can really recover from that. It takes a long time because the division is so deep and so real. bad news is, is that John doesn't tell us what to do. We will. We're going to talk about it next week. We're going to talk about what to do next week. But to start, just a, just a, just a taste, just a taste. Um, the, the first thing that, that, that you've got to do, if, you, if, you, if you've taken this inventory and you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, okay, I might be actually in danger of somebody in my life, somebody um, at work, I might be in danger of, of beginning to hate them. Hate might be taking root. If so, reconcile before you hate. One of the things that killed me, man, is that as soon as Takanori shut himself off, I literally went to him and I was like, dude, I know something's going on. You've got to tell me what it is. I didn't understand that at the time that the culture was such that um, he really couldn't because if um, he told me what I should already have known, he would have shamed me more then it's very complicated in Japan. But basically, he was actually showing me respect by treating me as if I should know what I had done wrong. So thanks, Takanori. That was awesome. Here in America, um, what you want to do is go ahead and confront the person with whom you're beginning to, and say, like, you know, put the issues on the table. Like, go ahead and just, like, let's throw that out there. Because you need to reconcile before you hate. If you don't reconcile before you hate, things are going to go really badly. Oh. Sometimes... You can't. If you're in a place where um, there's somebody in your life uh, who, with whom you ex- are experiencing 
yeah, hatred, and you're, you're able and willing to call it that, own it, create space. Create space between them. Uh, one of the, actually, the, um, the best things that happened was Takanori, uh, he got that job in Tokyo, and he left our school. Ah, everyone, bre- I breathed a sigh of relief because it, it, it changed um, the dynamics of everything at that place. But he went, he went to Tokyo, and as soon as he did, like, everything just changed. It was crazy. Whatever had been between us was uh, very strange. But um, immediately, uh, the, the environment changed, and, and his, his staunchest supporter in the great war against Tom, Shin-sensei, uh, it turns out we had to go on a field trip together. Um, we were going to lead uh, the kids on, like, this forced march through the Japanese mountains, um, which was a really horrible experience for everyone. And um, especially there was this one girl um, who really was weak, and so um, Shin-sensei and I had to put our shoulders underneath her and lift her up each step of the mountain. And when she got to the top, everyone was like, you did such a good job! And Shin-sensei and I were like, what about us? <laughs> like, you did it! Gambarimashita! You, you gave it your all! And I was like, I gave it my all! Just because I'm 23 doesn't mean it didn't hurt! That night, Shin-sensei, um, who I had never spoken to once, uh, began speaking in totally fluent English. This guy who had, had treated me like dirt. He's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, what? Oh, you, oh you, did, you did university in the UK. Oh, well, all right, man. Guess you're fluent. That's incredible. Been an entire year. You never said a word to me. That's amazing. Um, okay. And it, it was like nothing had happened. He starts uh, just telling me about his life and, and all this. And I'm just gobsmacked. I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, Takanori was out of the picture. Suddenly, Shin-sensei was free. He was like, oh, yeah, we just took a trip. I uh, went back to Leeds, you know, um, where, I, where I studied. And, and me and my wife, and I was like, are you for real? Who is this guy? Suddenly, Shin-sensei and I are, are, are buddies. Kocho-sensei, the principal, also on Takanori's side, comes in. He's like, Tom, we're so pleased with your work with the students. I'm like, this is the guy who literally had like spent 30 minutes yelling at me about what an awful teacher I was. I kid you not. And he's like, oh, you're doing such a great job. Kids love you. Well done. Well done. I'm like, what is going on here? What is going on? Seven months later, um, Takanori's visiting from Tokyo. And, uh, you know, whatever had happened, there had been a lot of time. And he'd probably been speaking to people uh, behind the scenes, whatever. He comes back, and it was like old times. He, uh, he hugged me, of all things, which is very strange for a Japanese person. Um, and he invited me over to play guitar and hang out. Um, whatever had, had taken place, it, something had been repaired. And to this day, I don't know what it is, but I do know, I do know that it took space for that to happen, for that to grow up. Um, and so when, this is just a preview, we're going we're gonna to go into this next week um, in more depth, but, but to begin, if that hatred's taking root, Make some space. Make some space. And then maybe, maybe something beautiful can come back. Maybe something real can regrow. Maybe there's hope for what was here. Because surely, if anything, that is what took place between us and God. There was incredible distance, infinite distance between us and God. And God covered that distance in Christ. He sent Christ in to come and be with us, to unite with us, to suffer for us, to give everything for us so that we could be reconciled to him. And surely, surely that is possible even in the darkest, most barren 
bitterest relationships that we have. Keep faith. Reconcile, make space, and see what God can do. We're going to take this back up next week and we're going to talk about reconciliation. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, um, we first thank you for the coming of Christ. Thank you for the reconciliation you put between us and you. That you draw, drew us into unity through your Son. We who were far off. You cleared the way and made us right. Bought us with your blood. Father, I pray for any here for whom the tendrils of hatred have begun to squeeze the heart. I pray, Father, for reconciliation between those who are far off. God, I pray for space to cool down between those who are hot. I pray for marriages where there's hate. I pray for friendships where there's hate. I pray for companies and and institutions where there's hate. I pray for hate that may be here in this place. That God, you will sow up division. That you will bring back love and affection. That you will make good things grow where the land looks dry and barren. We know that you can do it because we've seen it in your son. In his name we pray, amen.